Thank you, ladies. God bless you. 2 Corinthians 5, where I want you to notice again this morning, verse 20, a familiar verse. And again, familiar because Paul uses a very familiar expression while describing who we are as the people of God. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, of course, if that sounds familiar to to you, you may remember that Paul uses the same expression when writing to the Ephesians. Ephesians 6.20, he says, quote, Pray for me that I may make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. In other words, I may be in jail, Paul says, but I'm still an ambassador for Christ. And as our text says, so are we. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. The Greek word is intriguing. It's presbyteron, which means seasoned representative. And that is exactly, if you think about it, that is exactly what an ambassador is. I remember during the Obama administration, there was quite an uproar over the appointment of Cynthia Strom, entirely unqualified as ambassador to Luxembourg. All she did for that first year until she was forced to come home, all she did was spend exorbitant sums of money whining and dining and dancing with Luxembourgs. And one of the senators took to the floor, and I remember he said these words. He said, quote, an American ambassador is a person who was sent to a foreign land for the express purpose of looking out after our nation's interests. In other words, it is the duty of an ambassador above all else to be completely loyal patriotic towards the nation that sent them, not, follow this, not to the nation to which they are sent. A couple days ago, when uh, the nation of Israel recalled one of its own ambassadors, their ambassador to Spain, and did so because Prime Minister Sanchez accused Israel of war crimes, I started thinking about this role, and I started thinking about this text, and wondering if we as Christians realize that in reality, We're on assignment. You and I, beloved, are on assignment in this world. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. So that all of us who are here today, who are born-again believers, we have been dispatched, not by President Biden, not by Congress, not by earthly powers. We have been sent by God himself. We are here now to represent the interests, not of the United States, not of organized religion, not of democracy or human rights. We are sent out to represent the interests and the agenda of heaven itself. And beloved, what that means this morning is that as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we have now, we have the greatest honor, we have the greatest joy, the greatest calling, the greatest privilege that any person could ever have on this earth. We are emissaries of glory. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful already for blessing our hearts with your presence, the joy, the privilege, Lord, of singing hymns of worship to you. And now we come to your word. And now we know the Holy Spirit desires to take your word and speak to every ear, every person that has ears to hear. May that be all of us. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, I read a rather remarkable book that was entitled Ambassador on Mission. And it was a book written at the end of the Second World War by Sir Samuel Hoare, who was dispatched by England into Spain. 
He was dispatched there at a very critical time in the 1940s. And for me as a believer, reading that, it was a fascinating book in that it tells of all the challenges. It tells about all the responsibilities of being an ambassador in wartime. For example, the chief instruction was to his chief instruction was to convince Franco to stay out of the struggle and not become another ally to Hitler, which of course might have doomed England. Now you can imagine the responsibility on that ambassador's shoulders. All of Great Britain, all of the empire depended upon him to fulfill his mission. And you know, as you read all the twists and all of the turns of that ambassador's life during war, you sense those privileges. You do. You sense the privileges and the great responsibility of what Paul is saying in our text. After all, beloved, we are ambassadors for Christ. And furthermore, we are ambassadors in a strange land for truth, for righteousness, and for gospel witness. You know, folks, a long war against God, a spiritual warfare is about to conclude after 2,000 years. And we have the great honor, and we have the great privilege and the great responsibility of representing the victorious side that is the cause of Jesus Christ. The question is, as we approach the end of this great warfare, are we properly representing it? Are we fulfilling the purpose of our mission? I'll say it again, an ambassador is someone who represents his own country in an alien land. And in that capacity, <clears throat> he speaks on behalf of his king. His message is the king's message. His mission is the king's mission. His manner is the king's manner. So that in every way, the ambassador tries to represent the king and the country to which he belongs. And beloved, we don't belong to this world. When I was a kid, we used to sing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For we know... And we know it. It's not pie in the sky. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then in verse 6, he says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, folks, to some people, that sounds really odd. Calling heaven our home and this world a foreign land, but it's not odd at all to anybody who's in the family. Jesus said, I am not of this world. Hebrews eleven ten. 10, Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Philippians 3, 20 says, we have our conversation, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, an ambassador is a person who represents his own country in a foreign land. And he does so at the request and the commission of his king. And our king is Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as ambassadors for Christ, I want us to consider three of the most important aspects of our position. There are three things in this text. The first thing you'll notice, number one, is the embassy. Yes, the embassy. Chapter 6, verse 1. I love 
I love the wording of this verse, so much so I've preached on it more than once. We then, as workers together with him, think about that, workers together with God. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. You see, folks, this epistle begins with these words, to the church. Paul, to the church at Corinth. There was a place in Corinth where ambassadors of Christ would gather. It was their embassy. You know, under international law, the official residency of an ambassador, that embassy as it's called, is always accounted as belonging not to the country in which it's built, but to the country to which the ambassador himself belongs. In other words, the British embassy in Washington, D.C. is a little bit of Britain, It's a little bit of Britain in the United States. And conversely, the United States, I mean, the American embassy in London is a property of the United States in Great Britain. That's the reason why everybody else in England just looks at July 4th and November 23rd as regular old days on a calendar, common dates. At the embassy, the American embassy in England, the ambassador's family is celebrating Thanksgiving. And Independence Day. It's America in England. By the same token, when America enforced prohibition in the 1920s, the British embassy was still serving wine. Why? Because within its walls, when any of the walls of any embassy, only the rules and the customs that belong to the land of the ambassador are being observed. It's the foundation of diplomatic immunity and also an embassy as a sanctuary. So you see, our ambassador to China, he might live in China, but he's not of China. I should say he's not supposed to be of China. And you know what? His embassy is his greatest sanctuary. Now, beloved, please hear this. We as ambassadors have an embassy. It was founded by Jesus himself. He loved it and gave himself for it. It's called the New Testament church. And sure enough, guess what? We observe things here that the world doesn't recognize and doesn't understand. While the world considers a Sunday, the Lord's Day, just to be another day, Sunday fun day, God's people gather at his embassy. Why? To celebrate Resurrection Day. Every Lord's Day is Resurrection Day. It is the day that our king, whom we serve, who saved us, the day that our king was victorious over death. That's why we're here. And it is here at God's embassy that Christians have gathered for 2,000 years to observe communion, to sing his praises, to be edified, to hear from the king's mandates and the king's messages, to listen to his voice, speak to our hearts together to be reminded of what our true mission is. i got to tell you, one of the biggest follies of modern American church growth movements was this whole idea that began in the 70s to make the New Testament church, the embassy, more like the foreign land than like the land it's supposed to represent. And to do so all for the sake of comfort and so-called relevance. But folks, that never made sense. You know, the American embassy in China 
cost us over half a billion dollars to build. The Chinese government built it, and they put in so many bugs and so many listing devices that it might as well have the Chinese flag inside of it. It's worthless. But that's exactly what modern churches have done, made Jesus' embassy a stronghold of the world. You see, that American flag, that's the symbol of the country and the world to which we are sent. You see, that flag, that represents the king who sent us here. And that embassy, this embassy where we sing the music of our land, where we learn the laws of our king, where we read the book of our faith, where we fellowship with the brethren of our Lord, this embassy, beloved, is an absolutely vital, necessary part of our commission of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 13, 17 says, A faithful ambassador is health. Well, the only way to stay faithful and to be healthy to fulfill the mission God's given us is to embrace Christ's embassy. When Paul was writing to the embassy at Philippi, you may recall, he was writing to those dear believers, our fellow believers so long ago, who lived in a city that was a place of pride because it was the capital of a Roman colony. And of course, they were privileged, according to that ancient world, to have this status as a people, being called what? Roman citizens. But you may remember what Paul told the Philippian Christians. We quoted it a moment ago. He said, we worship God in our spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. For our citizenship is in heaven. And here's how he addressed them. I'm going to read it to you. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops, pastors, and the deacons. There's a lot in that verse. Paul, Timothy, servants of Christ, pastors, deacons, saints, but it says mostly they are in Christ Jesus. They're only at Philippi. Can I tell you something? Our churches, and by extension our homes, ought to be embassies of heaven. God's colony is what Paul wanted the church at Philippi to be. A place where God rules and where his customs and spirit and love and grace and truth always prevail among the people of God. A place where every Christian could come in from this hostile world and find strength and help and guidance and truth. And that, beloved, is why I love this church. And I have for 36 plus years. This is our sanctuary. Every local area ought to have one. I'm a local church guy. But this is our sanctuary, our spiritual embassy. This is the place where all of Christ's ambassadors come to be reminded to receive instruction and encouragement, sometimes from one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sometimes from the teachers and the preachers. Sometimes from our own ambassador missionaries who come back and visit us as we're going to have next Sunday night. And encourage us with what God is doing there. It's always amazing to me, no matter what nation our missionaries return from, they too come into this embassy with a heartbeat, the same heartbeat as all of us. You know, so many churches always, sometimes people give me these little church bulletin bloopers. 
There are actual bulletins, you know, church faux pas, various bulletins. And I remember one said, quote, John Belch, our missionary from Africa, will be singing tonight in our service. Come at 630 and hear John Belch all the way from Africa. I like to have him come and tell us about what God is doing there because what God is doing there is what he's doing here. God's embassy, God's local New Testament church is a place where his laws and his customs and his songs give strength and courage and hope and yes, eternal perspective. Which by the way, is why no ambassador for Christ should bring into the embassy a bunch of carnal division or gossip or ego, or fleshly desires, or greed. Folks, that's out there. That should stay out there. Those in here are old enough will remember the pictures from Iran. You had the blindfolded Americans from the American embassy being taken hostage for 444 days. It was a long ordeal. But I got to say that far more tragic are the spiritual captives who allow this world to just come in and creep in and defile their church homes, their church and their homes, and the embassy. You know, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But Jesus can remove the candlestick. And so this morning we thank God for his embassy. We thank God that where two or more are gathered together, two or more are gathered together, the promise is our king is in our presence. I'll say it again, ambassadors need God's church, the embassy. The second thing I want you to notice, number two, is the enemy. Look at chapter 5 and verse 15. It says that he, Jesus, died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, those who are saved, should not from this time forward, after you get saved, not henceforth, what? Live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, folks, follow this very carefully because Sir Sammy Hoar, who wrote that book, he wrote in that book that the number one enemy of every ambassador, that is his greatest danger, is himself. It's always himself. And here's why. He said that the biggest temptation and deception comes into an ambassador's life when he starts to become too acclimated, too comfortable, in the land in which he's serving. You know, when our family lived in Turkey, each year on what was called Republic Day, which is in October in Turkey, the Turks would celebrate Ataturk, their greatest hero. And they would have these big celebrations. And I remember being rushed by an embassy, our, our embassy, the American flags were torched and windows were shattered, and it was quite dangerous. But you know, beloved, the real danger for an ambassador of Christ today isn't physical at all. The real danger is something Sir Hoar stressed in his book when, as he described it, without constant visits and communication to his own land, that ambassador becomes, quote, denationalized. He said that the process happens without the ambassador even realizing it. He said, for example, when he first arrived in Spain, he and his staff were British through and through. Pip, pip, jolly good and all that stuff. He said, made in England was written all over their faces. But slowly and gradually, after months and months and months, he noticed a change. So that the atmosphere of that alien land, he said, began to get into their lungs. Because after all, everybody ate, that he ate with, was Spanish. 
And the food was Spanish, and the viewpoints were all Spanish, and the music was Spanish, and before long, their sympathies were also Spanish. And he realized before it was too late that his commission was not, thankfully before it was too late, that his commission was not to represent Franco or Hitler, but Churchill and the king. And he also realized that the only way to keep his staff and himself from being denationalized was to maintain constant contact with their own native soil. I've read that many American ambassadors keep a jar of American soil on their desk from their own hometown. It was a visual reminder to whom their allegiance truly belongs. And always, always in that embassy over there, there is an American flag and a portrait of the American president, always. One of the most jealously guarded privileges of being an ambassador to the United States is that you always have access and in wartime direct access to your president, always. At any time, you could communicate with the one who sent you and commissioned you. Brother Chris left on Wednesday to encourage and help our missionary in Cambodia. 9,617 miles from Jupiter, Florida. He sent me these yesterday. A couple pictures and videos. Guess what these fellow believers are doing? Guess what our brothers and sisters in Christ and those little children are doing in the killing fields of Phnom Penh? They're memorizing scripture, singing hymns of the faith, assembling in the name of Christ. Yesterday, today, that one was today. That's the, that's the piece of property that you helped purchase that they broke ground on today. So that far from acclimating and embracing the old idols of Buddhism and Hinduism and idolatry and atheism, those fellow believers are lights in the darkness. I got a church growth brochure a little while back. And it said, Pastor, are your young people out of touch with the world around them? And I thought, not nearly enough. An ambassador does not have a problem staying in touch with the land he's in. The problem and the challenge is staying in touch with the land he's from. And how much more so when the land that he is in becomes less and less and less like the land that he represents. And for us, that's America right now. No wonder the command in Hebrews 10.25 says, forsake, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But as this world gets farther from God, the ambassador must stay closer to God. Pastor, do you really think, do you really believe that the world's getting worse? And is it just because you're old? Well, you know, two things can be true at the same time. <clears throat> Let me read something to you from Modern Nurse magazine that I saw again the other day. It's an old, familiar memo. I've seen it before. But it's an actual memo from 1887 entitled Nurse's Duties. Number one, daily sweep and mop the floors of your ward, dust the patient's furniture and sills. Number two, maintain an even temperature in your ward by bringing 
in a scuttle of coal for the whole day's business. Number three, light is important to observe the patient's condition. Therefore, each day I fill kerosene lamps, clean chimneys, and trim the wicks. Number four, the nurse's notes are important in aiding your physician's work. Make your pens carefully. You may whittle the nibs to your individual taste. Number five, each nurse on day duty will report at 7 a.m. and leave at 8 p.m., except on the Sabbath, on which day she will be off from 12 to 2. Number six, graduate nurses in good standing with the director of nurses will be given an evening each week for courting purposes or two evenings a week if you go regularly to church. Number seven, each nurse should lay aside from each payday a goodly sum of earnings for her benefits during her declining years so she will not become a burden. For example, if you earn $30 a month, you should try to set aside $15. Number eight, any nurse who smokes, uses liquor in any form, gets her hair done at a beauty shop, frequences dance halls, will give the director of nurses good reason to suspect her worth, intentions, and integrity. That's the whole fourth floor at Jupiter Medical Center, amen? <laughs> In other words, look, all I'm saying, folks, it's not just change. I mean, some things are changed. I'm glad we don't have to, you know, whittle our nibs or whatever the pen was back then. It's not just change. Of course, this world is getting worse. We were told. And of course, it's getting farther and farther away from heaven. No, I'm not concerned with us or our young people being out of touch with the world. You know, Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Conforming is easy. You just go along. Transformation, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's the miracle. And that's what we're called to do no matter how dark the day. A little girl was watching her mother gardening. And she said, Mama, I know why the flowers shoot straight up, these beautiful flowers go up. They want to get away from the dirt as fast as possible. Jesus prayed in John 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Jesus said that. He says, I'm not, and that was the worst day. I don't pray that you'll take them out of the world, he said, but rather that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Get away from the dirt as much as possible. The ambassador's embassy, the ambassador's enemy, and then finally notice number three, there is the ambassador's entry. Go back to verse 8, would you? We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I say amen to that. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You see, folks, note this carefully. One of these days, our king is going to call us home. All of us, sooner or later, every ambassador of Jesus Christ is relieved of his post. When Sir Samuel was called home, the king the Prime Minister, all of Parliament rewarded him and thanked him for a job well done, and it was an amazing career he had. He had represented England with honor and integrity and courage and grace and purpose of mission so that he was a credit to the king and the nation he represented. Don't you want the same thing as an ambassador of Christ? Don't you want your king to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant? The ambassador's entry. 
It'll happen. You know, John Newton once said he was walking through a, a little obscure country cemetery in England. And he came across a small headstone with a cross engraved and then just two chiseled words, one right above the other, just two words. The one on top was a name. It just said Freddy with an exclamation point. As if someone called the boy's name. And the one underneath simply said yes. As if the boy answered. Well, one of these days, the king will call your name. He'll call you home. Or he's going to call us all home with a trumpet. And your mission will be over. In our ministry of reconciliation, which is what this entire text is about as an ambassador, we have this ministry. That ministry will be done, will be finished, and you will be home at last. The question is, are we now faithful ambassadors of Jesus Christ? Because for either good or for bad, you represent the king and you represent his kingdom. There's an empty seat right here. Right there in front of the Coulters, in front of Seth and Alex. A few days ago, I visited Bruce King at hospice. The day before his 72nd birthday. And I thanked him. I mean, he came up and he was lucid and alert. And I thanked him for his faithfulness. For his unwavering witness to the grace of God. And for his deep sincerity and his love for God, I would watch him sit there during the choir and the hymns, and he would always close his eyes and sing every word in sincerity. And he just kept saying to me, Pastor, God is good. At one point he said, sound words. And it got quiet and the whole family was in there, sound words. I didn't know what he meant. And then he said, he said, Pastor, keep preaching sound words. And we prayed in his last words to me as I was leaving with a smile. He said with all of his family there, next stop is glory. And a few hours later, he was in glory indeed. You know, Bruce was offered by a young, as a young man the Bruce King dealership. He declined it. And I'm sure people thought he was crazy. I don't know all the story, but whatever the case, I know this. He was a faithful ambassador when the real king called him home. Driving to church this morning, I noticed... A carpet of flowers that have been coming up there in the, in the median on the highway. You see them coming into church. It's beautiful. But i got to say, when I was driving today and I looked at it, it looked exactly like Frost did in Chicago and in Port Huron, Michigan, when we were there for years. And I got a little PTSD. <laughs> I was like, ugh. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm glad that I don't live there anymore. Now, if God called me there, I'd go, but I'm glad. You're just scraping ice off your windshield. I'm glad I don't live there. You know, I love South Florida. I love Jupiter. This is another day in paradise. But someday I'm going to look back and say, I'm glad I don't live there anymore. Because God's going to call us home, and our mission will be over. The question is, are you been faithful in that mission? For those in this room who are not saved, I want to say something to you. We are ambassadors of Christ. We're not perfect. We're sinners, but we're saved by grace. And our calling as ambassadors of Jesus Christ is really one thing. One great overriding thing, and it's in the text. Verse 18, and we're going to close. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, if you're saved, you've been reconciled to God the Father, the Creator. Isn't that wonderful? How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. 
But now you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, to wit, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We have the word. Why? Verse 20, because we are ambassadors for Christ. And we plead to you who are not saved, accept the Lord Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for a moment. I wonder who would say this morning, Pastor Blaylock, I'm here today, and I am a Christian, and I'm saved, but I needed this reminder that I have a job, I have a duty, I have a calling. Now then, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. I represent the eternal kingdom of God. Pastor, I'm a believer, but I needed this reminder, needed this message, and look, beloved, it's easy to become denationalized you're not in touch with glory if you're not in this book if you're not in his church if you're not with god's people pastor i'm saved but i needed the message today who would say that with heads bowed would you lift your hands through the building i lift mine and praise the lord in glory i wonder who would say this morning pastor i'm here today and i am and i'm not saved i'm not sure that i'm on my way to heaven i need to be reconciled to god the creator because i'm a sinner Say, Pastor Blake, that's me. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you, but could I pray for you? Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand right there where you are? We'll pray for you for a moment. God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand right here towards the front. Anyone else? High enough where we can see it? All right. We're going to pray in just a moment and have, as always, a time of invitation. If God has spoken to your heart about something, maybe it's a public decision. Joining the church, we mentioned this. This young couple joined on Thanksgiving Day. Maybe God's leading you to do the same. Maybe it's baptism. Or maybe just kneel at the altar. But for sure, if you want someone to show you from the Bible how to be saved, Brother Andy is right here at the front and we'll do that. Father, bless the invitation. Thank you for this high and holy calling. Thank you that we are here and it's not about us. That we have a purpose, a glorious purpose. That when we bear the name Christian, Christ's ones, we are ambassadors. We represent you and your, and your kingdom. Please help us to be faithful. Help this church to be an embassy that is faithful to you and to your word. And may I start with every believer in this room who will recommit themselves to being a faithful ambassador of your son. Bless those who have asked for prayer, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.